listener, and welcome to the show. This is your host, Kristen, and I am so glad you're here today. I am going to have a great conversation with the guest, and we are talking about why it's so important to put ourselves and our self-care ahead of some of the other things on our calendars. We're going to talk about why we need to restore what's depleted, why we need to retreat when it's just too much on a certain day, and why reinvesting in our time and our resources will help our future selves and our future schedules. Today is such a great episode. It's really important whether you're a new, you know, a parent with littles or whether you are retired, but you're just volunteering all the time or something in between. This is definitely the episode. This is the right time of the year to take a listen when it's such a busy time. And here's what I want to ask you. What is holding you back? What is the thing that's holding you back from going after your dreams and from finding meaningful work you love? Aren't you ready to wake up to the possibilities that are in your life and go after the things you've dreamt of? It's time for you to feel alive again, lit up, and for you to know that you're deserving and you are worthy for the future that's waiting for you. I want you to feel fulfilled and find abundance in your life. I think it's time and I'm ready to help you get started. Now I'm your host, Kristen, of Building a Life You Love. And each week we're going to talk to people that have redefined their lives and are going after their dreams. And we want to help you live your best life both personally and professionally. So let's get started. Hi, today on the podcast, I would like to welcome Phoebe Barron. She is a licensed counselor and professional who also speaks and writes at the intersection of faith and psychology. She helps Christians to better understand how how making sense of their own psychology is a key factor in transforming their life to look more like Christ. She wears a lot of hats professionally, and I'm so excited to have this conversation with her today, both professionally what she does, but also because she's a mom. And like so many of us, she has dealt with overwhelm and being a, you know, someone that works and also is trying to, you know, take care of her kids and run her household. So I'm excited for this conversation today. I think you're going to get a lot of tips out of it to apply to your own life. So welcome, Phoebe. Hi, I'm excited to be here. Oh, thanks so much. Can you first just tell us a little bit about your story and then what you're up to today? Yeah. So, um, I mean, like you mentioned, being a mom is like very overwhelming. Um, and I remember that first transition into motherhood and just exactly how rough it was. I mean, we had been through a lot of life transitions. We had, um, moved states and I graduated and got a new job and was, um, attempting to start a private practice. Um, and my husband worked in retail. So, you know, certain times of the year, he basically was gone. Um, and yeah, and I think it just all kind of came crashing down. But at the same time, I was like holding all the rubble up at two, you know, like it wasn't a total implosion. And I think that that's where a lot of women find themselves is that they, things have crashed, but um, they're still holding up the facade of the building. And so it looks okay on the outside, but on the inside, you know, that you're completely crumbling. And, uh, like, that's where I was is I think I had enough coping skills to make it through, but internally I was just angry and irritable and sad and frustrated and anxious and just all those things. Um, and just found it really hard to find joy, um, in that first year of motherhood, especially. Um, and so about, honestly, it took a few more years after that, even after having um, our second child that I just decided like he had weaned and I was like, 
okay, I have my body back for the first time in like four and a half years. Yeah. I I have to do something different. Something has got to change here. Um, and a lot of that was focused on me, um, which even like, you know, like we're here, we, we were talking about self-care and like how hard it is for women. And even just to say like the, the big change in my life, like started with focusing on me still feels awkward to say. Mm, Isn't that crazy, right? That Mm -hmm. so many women are still are struggling with this, even though people talk about self-care a lot more, even though there's so many outlets that we can, you know, apply, whether it's in our own homes, doing self-care and just, you know, kind of de-stressing or whether it's mm-hmm. that we go somewhere else. So it's insane to me that it's still the case, but it is. I mean, it happens in my life, but it happens with so many of my friends and people I talk to. So how did you, how were you able to do that? And how do you now help people with that? Like, you know, um, spend a little more time on what you needed. Yeah. Uh, that was hard. And it it came uh, with a lot of trial and error. I think one thing that I find is a mistake in the area of finding self-care is that we want to mentally figure it out first and then go and do and have the doing be perfect or like it fits exactly right the first time. And mm-hmm. uh, like that's not life in general. And so um, the great thing about self-care is typically if it doesn't necessarily hit um, like where you need it to hit, then like you just move on to something different. Um, and so for me, that looked like exercising. Um, I grew up as a dancer. And so uh, being in shape was just something that I had never, I'd never known anything different until after I had kids. And, uh, you know, just simple things like wanting to be able to, you know, laugh and not pee myself. Uh, we're yeah. like, you know, those little motivators, yes. um, and knowing like that was possible. Um, and so I picked a fitness goal and, uh, for me, it had to be something that I was going to do. So I actually, um, at 29 ended up, uh, trying out for a professional dance team cool. for a professional sports dance team. Um, I did not make it. They declined me. It was fine. Um, mm-hmm. I was totally fine with it. I think it was more about the experience of like, uh, rediscovering that I had a dream to, to dance. Um, and that dream did not die in college whenever I could no longer, uh, do the college to get schedule. Um, it was still alive in me. And so part of doing the fitness goal was to not embarrass myself at the tryout, which I did not. Um, but it wasn't about making the team. It was really about just uh, remembering a dream that was, that I've had for a long time. And, going, I'm not going to let age and, um, out of shapeness be the reason that I didn't ever try this. Oh my gosh. That's so good on so many levels. So on two parts there, the first is from the, there, you know, you, you still have this, this dream and there's something alive in you that you still loved, right? Like, it's just that it was, you had to pause it or it just wasn't something that was your focus because you had littles. But what I love is everyone comes to that point. Well, I shouldn't say everyone comes at that point, but at some point in our lives, whether you're 27 or you're 57 or 87, people kind of go, gosh, there was this thing I really loved, right? And if we're brave enough, we go and we kind of explore it again. The hope though, is that more people will do it now and we don't wait, right? And so I love that you shared that even, you know, almost 30, you went and tried out for a professional dance team. I'm guessing you were one of the older people for that. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like I was looking around and I was like, I'm solidly a decade older than most of the girls here. Um, but I am turning as well as they are. I'm leaping as well as I ever did. I was never a leaper. Um, and other than remembering choreography, I was right on par with where I had been whenever I stopped dancing at college. Um, and what happened during the choreography part was really a pivotal moment for me, uh, because I remember going, gosh, I used to just catch on to choreography, no problem. Um, but one, there was no way to practice that beforehand. I guess, I guess I could have gone and taken dance classes, but I did not have time for that. And two, uh, I remember this part of my brain just coming up and was like, listen, girl, okay. We think about way more important things right now than what count you drop it low on. So like, I'm going to get you through this part, but like, that's kind of whenever I knew that that kind of dancing was no longer going to be a part of my life. And it was really, really okay because my priorities had changed. I remember looking at the clock too and going, Oh, I'm missing bedtime and going, okay, this is just, this is an experience that's telling me exactly. Well, not even telling me, but crystallizing me to me, what my priorities are. Mm. Um, And again, I think all the time we want to figure things out mentally before we go and do the thing. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes it's through the doing that things get clarified. hundred percent. So, oh my gosh, first of all, I, we're going to come back to the statement you made because you made it twice and it's actually really important. But I want to point out too, that what I love is you, you said something that I, I wanted to emphasize. The second thing was you picked a goal and I've heard this mm-hmm. before and they say, don't just say like, oh, I know I need to exercise more. Because it's not enough for most of us, it's hard to enter. I mean, uh, add something new, like a new routine. So we need to tie it to something that's not just like, oh, I would like to look better. I mean, that's a good goal, and when we can do that. But often, it's if it's a very specific goal. I find, and they've said, right? Research says that you actually are more likely to accomplish it or get closer to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think you have to find your individual motivating factor, right? right. So for me, like I'm never going to run a marathon. I hate running. It makes me angry. Um, I don't <laughs> yeah. understand that runner's high thing. I don't understand it. Um, but for me, it was a really motivating goal to say, I don't want to, I know I'm going to do this. I don't want to embarrass myself to right. go to this tryout and be falling out of turns or like, you know, not being able to do a split or something really basic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that the the avoidance of embarrassment was was really the motivating factor there more than anything else. I know that makes sense. So let's go. Let's come back to the thing that you've said twice, which is most of us try to mentally, even with self care, we try to mentally mm-hmm. figure it out first. Like we try to figure out, like, oh, will this work? This would be good for me. I should right, and then figure out, like, when are we going to do it, and what's it going to look like, and then we try to go do it. And sometimes it doesn't. We didn't like it, or it's uncomfortable, or it's awkward, and so. Then we think like, oh, see, this didn't even work, right? And we maybe we give up. And I can give an example of that. And it, actually, meditation has not been something or yoga that's more than just a couple minutes that has worked well for me. Like I, I try to do an hour thing and, you know, and I like, I fail. Like I just am not good at this, at my attention. And, but what I've found, someone had recommended, there's like a three minute, there's these three minute uh, meditation tonal sound speakers. And you just listen to it for three minutes. They don't, they now have a free app because the speakers are a little more expensive, but you can set it for one minute all the way up, you know, to as long as you want. Mm-hmm. But I found that just getting those three minutes of that, like it's like a sound bath almost, but 
it's amazing. And like I said, now in the app, I can do longer. But me just trying to meditate and sit there by myself, it's, it was really hard. But then I found this thing. But if I hadn't kept trying and just said, meditation is not for me, right? And you don't even have to call it meditation. You can call that stillness or just listen, you know, but whatever you want to call it, that actually works for me. And I feel more clear minded and I feel calmer when I do it. But it took me finding this particular thing to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that so often we don't even get to the doing phase because we ha- we feel like we haven't done all the calculating that we need to do in order to feel really confident to doing. But mm-hmm. like confidence comes after the doing. Clarity comes after the doing. Um, and so what what we need on the front end is courage. Right. Okay, You need courage to try new things, but you will not be confident at them until after you've done them. Or you're yeah. really confident that's not your thing too. Right. Um, yeah. And so, um, I think it's just so important to go, that didn't work, but the goal is still the same, right? Like your goal was still to meditate, but sitting in a silent room is probably not going to work for you or, or not anytime soon. Right. Right. And, um, I think that we don't realize oftentimes on the front end, like just how far away from our goal we are. Right. That's true. Um, and so, um, and I think we're often afraid to like use, uh, cheats or crutches, or we call them cheats and crutches, when in fact, it's, it's just another way of doing the same thing. That's right. Well, yeah, it's kind of I just actually did a podcast episode that hasn't released. But it was kind of like one of the, you know, how do we get fit in more movement, right? Well, you don't have Mm -hmm. to go run or even go on an hour long. Because a lot of people say they don't have time for that. But every one of those minutes that you add into your day of walking, right, walking further from your car, taking the steps, but that, that adds up, right? And so it's kind of like that. No, but no, it doesn't have to be one solution. There's lots of ways to get mm-hmm. in more movement in our days, right? It's just more of a, having the mindset to say like, oh, you know, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to go walk to the mail. You know, like it's just making yeah. a choice that you're going to add in more movement. It doesn't have to be that we all go on an hour long walk or a 30 minute jog. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think it's going to like, why do I want to do this goal? Um, because if we don't understand the why behind it, then Mm -hmm. honestly, like that goal is kind of dead in the water. Right. A hundred percent. Right. You're right. And then on the episode, yeah, I was pointing out that exactly. Like for some people, it might be that their blood pressure number or some other health number or indicator isn't really where they want it to be. Maybe it's that they've added weight in the sedentary lifestyle is impacting their health, right? So there's a lot of reasons, but you're right. You do need to know the reason like this will help me in this way. And that's why I'm going to do it. Absolutely. So important. Yeah. So let me ask you this. So we're so many women are stuck in this overwhelm and, you know, there's many of us are doing some self-care or at least we're, we are finding ways to de-stress, but what would you say is the biggest story we're telling ourselves? you know, I don't know if you'd call it a lie, but you know, we're telling ourselves something so that this still seems to be a struggle for us. Like, what are you seeing when you work with people and that you've also gone through? So on the surface, it looks like I can do that later. And I think as you dig a little bit deeper, uh, we kind of find ourselves in a couple of different categories, um, of, of negative beliefs about ourselves or negative beliefs about focusing on ourselves. Right. Um, I think especially in Christian spheres, uh, we grew up so much about being, hearing about being selfless and about serving others. Um, and Jesus came to, to serve, not to be served. 
And while all of that is true, um, I kind of go back to Jesus and Matthew saying, uh, love your neighbor as yourself, right? And so in that, there's that indicator that um, I I love others as much as I love myself. And I think that if we looked and said, okay, how much is me loving others? Um, or if I loved others like I love myself, would that really be like good love towards right. them? Yeah. And I think so often the answer is no. Like if you loved your children the way you're loving yourself right now, how would you evaluate that? Right. And if the answer is you never spent time with them and you never met their needs and you always put them last, you wouldn't say you were loving them. Right. And so yeah. I think there's an indication there that we we are loving ourselves as we love our neighbors. Um, and so I think that that's like a key part that people miss is that I don't stop having needs. I don't stop having, um, desires and ambitions just because I became a Christian. Um, I have those things and I submit them and I bring them before the Lord and I use what I have for the glory of the Lord. Um, but that self-care is really just us receiving from God, what he has already provided for us. Yeah. Oh, no, that's so good. And I think you're right. A lot of times it is reframing it, right? Because it's kind of like if we don't take care of ourselves, then we actually can't go and care for other people. And I had mm-hmm. read something really good the other day, but it was it was similar to what you were saying in, in what I just said. But it was it was that it's like it, God wants to use us, but we have to heal our mind and our bodies in order for us to, him to fully use us in any situation. So the person I was interviewing, like, for instance, she said, like, if you walk into a room, how's God going to use you if you're stuck in your mind? Like, oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not. Like we have to be healthy, right? Like you have to just be healthy. And part of being healthy is caring for ourselves and also the beliefs we have about ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and where our value yeah. and work comes from. And so I think that's a great point that you brought up in, in perspective for people to think about, you know, how are they caring for themselves? And I really think of like t- Psalm 23, that God um, leads us to uh, still waters and to green pastures. Uh, but like, I still have to drink and I still have to eat, right? It doesn't say like mm-hmm. he stuffs water in my mouth and foresees me grass. <laughs> right. Like yeah. he's not going to do that, right? That is not kind and loving. Um, but he will lead me to those places and then I have to do my job. Right. Oh, so good. So um, why don't you share with us? I know that you, you talk about the three R's of mm-hmm. self-care. And so what can you share with us about that and how we can kind of apply that to our lives if we're not already? So um, the three R's are um, restore, retreat, and reinvest. So we want to restore what has been depleted. And then I think of like mind, body, spirit, right? What in, actually, I, I, we should always start with the body. Um, what in my body has been depleted that I need to be restored? So mm-hmm very basic. And this is the kind of self-care that I'm talking about with women so much, mm-hmm. right? So when people are like talking about manis and petties as self-care, I'm like, yes, I love that. Right. But like, we have to fuel our bodies with appropriate nutrition mm-hmm. and hydration. Yeah. First and foremost. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we need to take care of our bodies, right? Like, so if you're not, um, showering as often as you, as you should, Um, which I know, depending on your hair type, like could vary. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's not good self care, right? Like if you are struggling with hygiene and feeding yourself and hydrating, like you've got to start there, right? So what what has been depleted that needs to be restored? 
um, what has been too much that you need to retreat from? Mm-hmm. Okay. So like I listen to people all day long. So mm-hmm. oftentimes on my very short drive home from work, I uh, will just be in silence or I'll listen to something that's completely uh, like for pleasure. So no podcasts or anything like that. Like right now it's Taylor Swift's midnight. Okay. Because I am a good millennial. Yeah. Um, <laughs> who did not get tickets to her concert yesterday. <laughs> um, and so it's totally fine. Um, but, um, yeah, so like what has been too much? So I, again, with body, I'm thinking a lot of sensory stuff. Um, if you are a kindergarten teacher and people are touching you all day, maybe you need some space when you get home. Um, if you are, um, a, a doctor or somewhere where you work with like really bright fluorescent lights all day, maybe you need some, some darkness. Um, and then in your mind, like, what have you been doing all day, right? Have you been fixing other people's problems? Have you been looking at a screen all day? Um, have you been talking or in silence all day? Then whatever's been too much during your work day, try and, um, and as much as you can. Again, I have small children. So like the noise level just is what it is. Okay. Like so much right. my husband and I just look at each other and we're like, do we have the loudest kids in the universe? <laughs> and I think the answer is yes. Yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah, so restore, retreat, and then reinvest. So when I've done the first two, whenever I've restored what's been depleted, whenever I've retreated from too much, then when I have time, I can look at that and go, how do I reinvest this time or my resources in a way that helps future me? Mm-hmm. So that could look like meal planning and prepping, setting out clothes the night before, um, hiring a service, a cleaning service, a meal prep mm-hmm. service. Um, that can also look like, uh, getting your community involved as well. Like Mm -hmm. I do not take my daughter to dance this year. It, it, it conflicts with my work schedule. And so, um, another mom who happens to be one of my best friends, um, who, uh, stays at home with her children, she takes my daughter to dance Mm -hmm. and I do not feel guilty about that. Not one bit. And you should Um, just as an example of that. Just and this is it may be less reinvesting, but it's maybe just investing right in the community mm-hmm. and trusting and relying on them. Just yesterday, a friend of mine from the neighborhood, you know, asked me if I could drive her daughter to school like later in the day or morning because she was a she she has two jobs right. She's a real estate agent, but she also teaches kindergarten, and so she and her school is far enough away that she couldn't leave her kids right and come and pick her uh, daughter mm-hmm. up. And normally, the normally her husband is home, but he had to be somewhere yesterday. And so, you know, and she, but she knows I work from home and I'm like, yes, if I don't have an appointment or an interview, of course I'll help, you know, but it's like that you have to be able to trust people. And she has to feel fine with that. She's serving the little kids and her high school daughter, you know, it's not, she's not tiny needed a ride to school. And so it's kind of what you're saying is, and, and I, she shouldn't feel bad about that at all. And it, when I have to do that, I shouldn't feel bad. Right. Because that's how we actually get to fit in all the things or all the things we're trying to do and want to do. Absolutely. I think oftentimes we're like kind of afraid to ask people because we don't want to be asked back. Right. Um, and so, but I think that's where we're really having those really close relationships where um, it is kind of more like family, especially if you don't have family in the area, like that is critical to develop. 100%. Yeah. So good. Um, yeah. So that, that's also important. And I really like the reinvesting. And I think sometimes people like you said, of course, you meant, you know, you're talking really about our energy levels and then things that we can do now, you know, so that later our day is a little easier. 
And this is very, very specific. But when I, one thing I learned years ago is whenever I'm making cookie dough or I'm just making any baked good, I make a double, tri- triple or, or bigger batch. And then I freeze extra, right? Baked bread. Ooh, or I like that. Dough, put it in parchment, roll it in a big cylinder and put it in the freezer, label it. So the next time I have to make cookies because cookie mess is a big mess, right? So like, especially this mm-hmm. time of year, every time I make cookies now, I make multiple so that when it comes down to the holidays, I'm not having to make 25 new batches. I kind of have dough to start with. But for my future me, that saves me time and it makes my kitchen not messy every single time, right? I'm just cutting it at that point or shaping it or whatever and putting it in the oven. But for me, that's mm-hmm. a huge time saver because I'm already putting the effort in now. If, if that can save mm-hmm. me 30, 45 minutes in the future, like that to me is like loving myself because I'm like, hello, I don't have a messy kitchen. I have to clean all the dishes again. I've already done it. Right. And so right. like that make a big difference for me in my life for sure. And making four batches of cookies versus making one, isn't that much more of an effort if you already have all the stuff out? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, just even little things like that, you don't think it's a big thing, but you know, it's kind of like when you cook, right? If you make extra for the week or you freeze it, it's the same sort of thing, right? Where now you have a, a meal ready that you didn't have to make another night, you know? So I think absolutely we might not think of that as, you know, may not be self-care specifically, but it's that reinvesting of your time or your future time. I think too often we try and skip to the reinvestment part um, to to save time later when we don't we haven't given ourselves the energy and the fuel to like even get through today. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I yeah. don't want you reinvesting if you haven't fed yourself yet. Right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because I think we also, when we're doing these things, we have to just also know when, when is our energy lower? Like you said, and really what mm-hmm. I mean now is a break not to make dinner. And so I've had to learn that some nights if I haven't started dinner by, you know, four or five, like, forget about it. I'm, I, sometimes I do it, but I'm, I don't, I don't have as much like energy because I've been spending mental energy all day working. So I find mm-hmm. that I'm better off in the morning or at lunchtime, taking a break and prepping some stuff so that at dinner time I just have to put it in the oven or I have to do less work. But if I just start from scratch, right. I'm just like, and then we might be running off to a sports thing, you know, or whatever. So for me, I've just had to learn. I can't every night of the week or most nights cook at six o'clock at night or five thirty. Like it doesn't work for me, but I've just had to learn that by then I need something different, right? I need a break from like, I have to go do all these things. I need like a reset, take a walk, that sort of thing. Yeah. And I think to your point, even there that um, so often we kind of get stuck in these boxes of like, life has to look this certain way. Yes. We, we absolutely have to sit down at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I always go, does, does that thing that stress, you say it's a goal, you say it's something you want to do, but it stresses you out to do it. Does this actually line up with your values or is there a better thing that we can put in there, put in that spot that does line up with your values that doesn't actually stress you out? Like if the goal is that every single day you all connect as a family, is there a better time to do that than dinner time? Right. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm at a space right now where like my kids, uh, don't eat real people food. Right. Um, and I'm trying to get them over to like just making one meal, but I, I'm still making kind of like, you know, their chicken nuggets or whatever, and then making us something. And Mm -hmm. so, um, part of how I make that happen and how I make 
dinner happen is that I, I get them their stuff, their, their food that they're going to eat. And, um, and then while they're eating, like I cook and that's where we're talking and chatting and, and talking about their day and everything like that. It doesn't look like we all sit down at the dinner table and eat the same meal and talk about our day. Um, Mm -hmm. and part of that is because I have a five-year-old that like cannot sit down at the table, um, Mm -hmm. and stay seated. Um, and so I have to go, okay, he's five. He's probably not like, he's probably not going to be 15 or 25 and not being able to sit down for more than two seconds at a time. Okay. This is developmentally normal. Um, (laughs) and, uh, and so am I going to stress myself out when I sit at the dinner table to, to constantly be like, come sit down, come sit down, come sit down. Um, or are we just going to like relax that rule a little bit and go, you'll grow out of it. It'll be fine. He doesn't, he doesn't get up and walk all over the cafeteria at school. So I know he can do it. He just doesn't want to do that at the end of a school day. And I can be okay with that. Absolutely. Well, yeah. And I find even having, you know, more teenage aged kids, you know, older kids, it's the same thing. They don't really want to sit down every night and and some of them can't, right. Because they have stuff in the, in the evening. So that makes, I never could. Oh, and so what we find, because it, you know, sometimes that can make me frustrated because I want to connect even once or twice a week, right, around the table. Mm-hmm. But what they will give me, t- when they will give me time, 30 minutes or an hour or more, is when we play games. You know, so we yeah. more say, okay, we're going to have dinner, but usually that's quick. And then we're going to play games and they'll do that no matter their age. And and then we connect that way because really the dinner table, you know, I'll have a son that says, well, I already ate. I'm done. He wants to get up and spend three minutes, you know, so I, I have kind of the same problem now with the older kid, which before he would sit down, you know, now he's kind of like, I don't know why, like, what's the point, right? And so to your point, though, what I've found is it's doing an activity sometimes, like going somewhere, but it's usually game, doing game night and then letting them choose or rotate who gets to pick and they have fun doing it. So they'll come back and do more of it, you know? Yeah. And it fits the value of we want family time together. That's right. not centered around a screen, um, which I do advocate for movie nights. I love a good movie night. Yeah. Um, but we want family time together on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. But also, like, I'm just saying, if kids don't enjoy family time, then they're going to associate family time with being miserable. And I don't want that at all. So, right. yeah. So with my kids, it's the same thing. Like we do um, like I read right now. We're reading through Harry Potter. Um, and so we do that at night, you know, and so we're connecting around Harry Potter. So when things come up on commercials or whatever, like we can connect around that outside of even reading. Um, mm-hmm. And so here's my here's my parenting pro tip is mm-hmm. uh, get your small kids into what you like. Right. So we're listening to Taylor Swift, the clean version um, <laughs> when when we're in the car. Right. Because I'm like, I like Taylor Swift. You like her, let's like her together or Harry Potter, right? Like I grew up in Harry Potter. So I want to hand that down to them because that's something that we can connect on. Um, And so that's, that's like my parenting hack is uh, to get them into what I'm into when they're still like susceptible to that. Right. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Well, and I I love that you said this because I had written something similar down a little bit ago, but I think that's one of the biggest takeaways, right? Is that life doesn't have to look a certain way. It doesn't have to it doesn't have to fit any mold. You literally have permission to do life however you want, right? The parenting part, I mean, obviously, as long as you're just caring for your kids and all that stuff, but right. the dinner doesn't have to look a certain way. It doesn't, it does not have to be, if you don't want it to be a hot meal every night, it can be simply put together, you know, just a, things you have on hand. And so I think that's the thing, right? Is 
for people just to realize like we're putting all this pressure on ourselves, right? And all these obligations, which yes, we might have a lot of obligation and people that are needing us to, you know, take care of them, but that doesn't mean that we have to put additional pressure on ourselves, I think. And to kind of wrap that back around to a question you had earlier about mindset, mm-hmm. um, whether it's self-care or the way we do dinner or the way we connect with our family, I think so oftentimes there's this inner critic in us that says like, oh, well, you're not good enough if you do it that way, or that's not the way your mom would do it. Or what would she think if she saw you do that? Mm-hmm. And like that inner critic just wants to beat us and boss us around. And I think so oftentimes we... Uh, try to approach that inner critic with just like trying to shut it up and trying to push it away um, Mm -hmm. or just falling complete victim to it. And and so we kind of oscillate between these two ditches. um, And I think instead, like we need to, to look at that inner critic in the eye and say, I hear that you're trying to take care of me. You're trying to protect me from the judgment of others or the judgment of uh, maybe someone very specific in your life. Yeah. Uh, you're trying to protect a value to to save family time. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way you're doing it is not working for me. Mm-hmm. And so um, like kind of just having that, that self-talk that is kind to even the voices in our heads that are unkind to us. Mm-hmm. And if we can approach that with a kind and, and curious standpoint and go, I know you're probably trying to do something good, but like we need to have a chat about how this is happening um, that I think we get a lot more movement than when we try and just like push it away and push it away. Hmm. Yeah. So good. So let me ask you this for, for women that are, um, working, whether they, you know, work part-time, full-time from home, what, what tip would you give them for making sure we're fitting in time to get, you know, to restore ourselves, to retreat away from the, whatever's been going on all day in our lives, the busy, and then to reinvest. Um, so I think for most of us, our calendars kind of rule our lives, uh, whether it's your Google calendar like me, or you're still on paper or, or first of all, if you're trying to keep it all in your head and you have children, please stop. Like I need you to get that out of your head. I think that's one thing, um, that technology is really helpful with is that like, you're using up a lot of memory in your brain. If you are not writing things down somewhere, um, I like a digital calendar cause it can be on my phone or wherever I need it to be. Um, so, um, making sure that like whatever's ruling your life, your calendar, that you have time slots for the things that you are, for the goals that you're trying to uh, accomplish. So mm-hmm. if that goal is just to feed yourself three times a day and two snacks, um, then put that on the calendar. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I think to even back it up further, sorry, sometimes I get into a goal and then I'm like, wait, no, 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 there's steps before that. Um, and that's okay. Um, I think the step before that is that we are creating space. And I think it could be 30 minutes or less every mm-hmm. single week to plan our weeks. Right. And to, to do that reevaluation. Um, and so, so I think it's that evaluation piece that we often miss and go, what do I need this week? Um, looking at the week. So like I did that on Sunday and I was like, uh, looked at my husband. I was like, Tuesday's going to be crazy. Okay. We're taking the kids to gymnastics. Then we're doing a school thing. Then we're doing a church thing. And normally we would go, okay, we're picking one or two of those max, but it just happens to be that time of year where it's like, oh, we really want to invest in all of this. Um, and it's one day, right? So we can handle one crazy night. Um, but so like looking at that, um, on Tuesday, I was able to be like, I'm really tired. 
and I know what my day looks like, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a nap because I have that privilege to be able to take a nap while the baby's napping. Right. Um, so I just went ahead and and did that. I would normally not nap on a Tuesday. I'd be like, let's just push ahead and work, and that my day normally ends at six o'clock. Um, and yesterday I we were going till about eight thirty. Um, mm. so so I think if you are stopping and re and evaluating every single week to go. Mm-hmm. What are the needs of my time? Uh, because I think that that's the resource that we're all scarce on. Yeah. Um, and then going, okay, how do I fit in the basic needs of feeding myself, hydrating, that kind of a thing, and then build from there? Uh, because if we're not fueling ourselves, then like we're going to fall apart, but we're just going to fall apart, yeah. <laughs> you know? And I think that that's, so often what happens, um, and something that I talk to women a lot about in my practice, like I'm not a nutritionist, but I know that you can't survive on 800 calories a day. Right. Um, and so often that's like, whenever I get people to actually look at their eating and evaluate they're, they're on, they're just on a very scant diet because they're too busy and they're not prioritizing their basic needs. Yeah. And they're running on fumes, if you will, if you're doing that on a basis. Yeah. That's so good. Okay. So any last uh, tips you want to leave us with before we wrap up and and you can share with us how people can connect with you? Yeah. Um, I think, I think just kind of always, um, I think prioritizing our bodies. Um, so oftentimes we want to skip ahead to our mind or our spirit and we don't understand how much our body is uh, just what connects all of that. Right. It's what houses your mind. It's what houses your spirit. And if you are not fueling and taking care of that appropriately, then we're, we're going to have anxiety. We're going to have lots of irritability. Uh, like there, there might be some depression going on and, and there's other factors and diagnoses like generalized anxiety disorder, major depressive disorder. Um, those are complicated, but, um, we're, I think we miss a key element when we miss, uh, our bodies. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's so good. Well, so tell us, Phoebe, how can people connect with you online and learn more about what you are doing and how you work with people? Yeah, so uh, mostly I hang out on Instagram um, because, again, I'm a good millennial and um, no one's like dying to get to my DMs. So I actually might be able to message you back. Um, And so that's a good way to connect just on a daily basis. Um, uh, So I am at Phoebe Kate Barron. on Instagram. And then my website is bbbaron.com. Um, and so, uh, yeah, those are great awesome. ways to connect. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing some great perspectives and some wonderful tips on how we can really, you know, try to step out of this overwhelm that so many of us are experiencing and really, you know, restore and refresh ourselves, you know, hopefully daily, but it's definitely each week. Thanks again for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you could leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts so that more people can discover the show and connect to our community. 